0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Y'all ready for this? Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Face Off. In this show, we're going to be covering the one-all draw against Leicester at Anfield, um, pretty much because there's a bit of a, a short turnaround. I know it's Wednesday to uh, to Monday, but I was busy yesterday, so we had to fit it onto Friday. And um, but there's only one, there's only one guest for me: no Leicester fan, no two Liverpool fans. It's just my partner in crime over at One Up. In in Carl, how are you doing, Carl?
1: Not too bad, guy. How about yourself?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good, man. I mean. Obviously, there was a lot of frustration in, in the fan base and now we've had um, a day, well, pretty much two days to settle now and whatever. Um, how how are you feeling after the result? It's,
1: it's kind of mixed feelings. I mean, I, I was quite frustrated right after the match, you know, given the performance and, and the results. And it kind of felt like it was an opportunity missed, but at the same time... Kind of, I think as as I've had a couple of days, like I think had we recorded it maybe an hour after the match, it would have been very different how, how I'd mm. be compared to how I am today because I've had that time to think and I've looked at it and said, well, going into this week, I would have thought we'll win, but City will win, so it'll still be a four-point gap. City didn't win, we drew, so it's now a five-point gap it's not a massive difference, but it is a difference. And you know, that the fact Spurs gained two points on us or Arsenal gained two points, on us, it doesn't really matter because I don't think those teams are going to, to kind of catch up with us. It doesn't really city are the only team that matter at this moment as well as ourselves. So it's not so bad that, you know, the the results as a whole, but the, the match still, it was a, a disappointing performance.
0: Yeah, yeah, and just for my two cents on the actual result, I mean, one all against Leicester at the King Power, you'd probably say it's a decent result. I think the fact that it was at Anfield just makes a draw seem a bit worse. And I've seen that I've seen this labelled a couple of times, but it's what we used to do under Rafa. We used to smash big teams and then slip up stupidly against um mid table and lower uh, lower league teams. So I think that's where the frustration comes from. But um, as as you mentioned, the Man City result the night before, it just it. It eased the pressure a bit, and as you said, if Man City won and we drew, I mean, everything would have been turned up to eleven in terms of the anger in the in the, uh, in the fan base. So, I mean, Rafa's done us a favor there. But um, we'll actually get into the game, and this one will be a lot more loosely structured. But um, I won't go through the starting eleven uh, like usual because I mean, there's only one real position that. I mean, jumps out of the page, really. I mean, we have to talk about Henderson at right back. I know we we were talking in in one of our WhatsApp groups, Carl, about whether it'd be Camacho, whether I mean play free at the back or whatever. But no, I mean, firstly, we had Judy playing right back according to BT, who who would uh, show in the game over here. But then it turns out it's Henderson. Um, but I mean, what what was your thoughts on on Henderson before the game and as he as the game went on?
1: I I was a bit surprised. I mean, I I think obviously Henderson played right back once or twice back in the the Brandon Rogers days, but th- that was pre injury Henderson. You know, I think he he had a an extra half yard of pace mm. in him, and you know he he could go for a lot longer, do a lot more running. So it made a lot more sense then. Uh, but at the same time uh, as much as I wanted a back three I suppose Klopp is looking and thinking well we haven't really played a back three here at least not from the start of games maybe last 10-15 minutes at times we have but so I suppose he didn't want to to mess up the shape which is why he stuck with a back four I think I'd probably have preferred Henderson slightly to Camacho because I just Watching Camacho, he just doesn't seem to hold his position at all. So <laughs> you know that that would have been a concern with with the likes of Gray and that on the break. So I suppose it, it kind of it was a forced move, and and for that reason, I I wouldn't judge Henderson too harshly. You know, I, I thought like he started the game well in the first ten mm. minutes when the team were attacking. He got in a couple of dangerous positions. I think he put one ball in that. I think it was Maguire or might have been Evans had to to make a good interception to to stop it being a goal. Like he looked dangerous at first, but it's similar enough to to Robertson. But then they they both seemed to kind of retreat after 10 Mm. minutes and they just weren't getting in dangerous positions. Again, last 10 minutes when Leicester were kind of dropping back and playing for the point. Again, he got in a couple of dangerous positions. But I think in the middle 70 minutes, he was quite ineffectual in an attacking sense. And he was a bit of a liability in a defensive sense. Not again, I'm not, I'm not blaming him. It's not his position. He's not a right back. He doesn't have the pace that's needed in the modern game in that position. And for me, all I was thinking the whole game was Klopp. Why did you let Klein go? Like Klein is, mm. you know, probably top 10, maybe even higher right back in the league, especially in the defensive sense. And I'm just thinking the last two games, if we'd had Nathaniel Klein, what a difference that would have made, like how much more solid we would have looked at the back. Because I think I know it's only one position, but, you know, look at that, what that does to the right center back. You know, he's having to keep his eye on that because he knows he doesn't have a natural fullback there. Then because he's distracted, then that that spills over to the Van Dyke thinking he has to somewhat cover for his partner, and it it just throws the whole back four out of whack. And I think we've seen that the past two games with Milner first, and now with with Henderson. So you know, it's just the the decision to let Klein go on loan is just it's just baffling, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially the way it's unfolded. I think when he went, everyone was saying. Um, Trent's back, in it, pretty much he was he was meant or he was rumored to be coming back for the Palace game, which feels like about two months ago, <laughs> but obviously not. And obviously Gomez, I mean his his comeback day just, it keeps getting put back every every passing press conference, pretty much by the looks of it. Um, so I mean, I don't think anyone could have predicted it'd be this bad, but I mean. I know, I know. It's a bit of a weird topic to go bang on about because Nathaniel Klein, does he doesn't set the world alight, but when. When we're fighting for a title, you don't want to be risking anything, and unfortunately, all, all this uh, this risk we've taken is not really paid off. I know we've uh, we beat Palace and we only drew yesterday, but I mean, it looks like this. the looks like the right back situation is going to uh, continue because Trent's not going to be ready for uh, West Ham. I think that's what Klopp said today, and, and Gomez is nowhere near. So I mean, we've got Milner back on Monday. Um, And obviously, Henderson played there against Leicester. But you mentioned Camacho there. I mean, if he's not going to be trusted against Leicester with Damari Gray, who's not really in the same stratosphere as, say, Zaha, or um, even more so Felipe Anderson, I mean, there's no real chance he's going to deputise on on Monday night, is there?
1: No, I'd I'd assume Milner will come back in there. And uh, thankfully, Fabinho, you know, after his... yeah. Bout of illness should be fit to start, and at least then we know we have a bit more cover. You know, he'll cover the fullbacks well. So we should be a little we should be a bit more solid on Monday, I feel, uh, than than we were. Um, which is a good thing, obviously. But um it's still not ideal. You know, I'd still much rather have Nathaniel Klein there because I I just think as well, like as we're looking at the Joe Gomez injury and he, as you said, he's getting pushed back further and further and further. And you think that um like why did Gomez end up there? Like because he was put in a right back position which is fullback's Tend to pull a lot more injuries than centre backs mm. do. It's, yeah. it's it's there's a lot more. <laughs> well,
0: apart from our centre backs. <laughs> but,
1: well, yeah, but in in general, like, so why put him in that risk? I mean, Klein apparently wasn't fit some of the time, and other times it was just he was being left out. But you know, he put in such a good performance against United. I just that that got me thinking. Like, look, we have this player that we can use. He's a solid option. We can leave Gomez in the centre back position when he comes back. But fortunately, that's not the case. We're going to even when Gomez is back, he's probably going to play quite possibly a large chunk of his games in a right back again because we just because Trent is just you need to be able to rest him. So it's just it's unfortunate how it's it's worked out. But like for Henderson, as I said, I'm not going to lambast the guy too much because it's it's not his position i i wouldn't think he'd be suited to it anymore and you know so it wasn't a surprise i i point the finger at klopp more than more than henderson to be honest
0: yeah absolutely i mean it's fair enough doing a job for the team and as uh as you mentioned it's, it's klopp's decision ultimately to put someone who's not, I don't want to. I'm trying not to sound harsh here, but uh, someone, as you as you mentioned, he's not the same player he was when he could possibly. I know he played right wing or right mid under under Kenny as well, didn't he? And, and at Sunderland, so it kind of made sense. But he doesn't. He does not. He's not the same type of player as you mentioned, and it didn't really, it didn't really suit. Um, but obviously, there's been a lot of um. Division um, in in the fandom about Henderson. I mean, pretty much the same every game. But some people thought he played well. Some people thought he was the one of the worst players. I thought he was somewhere middle-ish, I don't, I don't think he was that bad. I know you defensively. He was a couple couple shaky one. But I do agree. I think Milner. We'll have to come back in. Um, and oh God, hopefully he fares better against Felipe Anderson than he did against Zaha. Uh, but a bit of a worry there now. God said, I think Felipe Anderson's a better one. But we'll we'll continue on with the Leicester game. I mean, probably the only other thing from the Stein 11 is Naby Keita um, actually got to play in midfield for once. And again, he's getting a mix of praise and stick on, on Twitter and everywhere else. Um, I mean... I thought he was one of our better players, Carl.
1: I thought he started the half very well. Um, you know, we we were as I said, we were bright in general in the first ten minutes, but I'd say for for Kate Kate it probably went even beyond that. I'd I'd say he gave a good twenty five, thirty minutes in the first half where he looked very lively he was nipping into tackles he was dribbling around people he was linking up well which is something that I think has been lacking when he's played lately where he just seems to run into traffic and just doesn't release the ball quick enough uh, then I, I thought maybe towards the end of the half you know we we were poor in general and We started the the second half poorly again, and I I thought, like, Keita again was slipping back into bad habits of kind of not releasing it quick enough. But he he started to look a danger, and, you know, of course, there was the the penalty decision, the the stonewall penalty as it was, uh, that that he, he made a good run to win, or should have won, let's say. And then suddenly he was taken off It was very strange to to take him off when he did like had he been taken off at half time, I wouldn't have been as surprised because, as I said, he did seem to fizzle out in the last fifteen minutes of the first half or or even if he was taken off after fifty fifty five minutes But to take him off when he was starting to look a danger it just it was quite surprising wow. like but but that's Klopp. his his decisions in terms of substitutions often surprise you be that down to the timing or, or the, the decision itself so I, I suppose we're more than used to it but you know I, I thought it was one of his better games in a while as i said he had a good half an hour and then in, in, in the first half and a good 10 minutes in the second half so promising signs. hopefully if he gets more chances in the center of the park he'll he'll start to, to pay dividends
0: yeah, especially alongside Fabinho, I mean, I, I, uh, you mentioned subs and stuff, I mean, his impact was uh, pretty noticeable, I mean, we'll come back to the subs and we'll come back to Firmino, uh, Fabinho, Fabinho, I should say, in a wee bit, because again, they, they've they've developed a lot of stickers from Twitter, but I mean, they probably a bit more deserved with the subs, but um, we'll actually get into the game a little bit there and just go through the key events, We. I mean, we started off so well, Carl, obviously the pitch was horrendous, but it didn't seem to have affected us, at least for the first three minutes of the game. <laughs> I mean, it was a great goal, wasn't it?
1: Brilliant. Like, the, the way we started the game, I think that Gloucester gave the ball away, and then we passed it around for, you know, all the, the run-up to the goal. Now, the, the final ball, obviously, we got a bit of fortune with the. The ball deflecting and, and landing nicely for for Mane, but nonetheless, it was a it was brilliant pressure and it was a great finish by Mane, who and I think it kind of gave him some confidence because he, he went on to be comfortably the man of the match. Mm. And I, I think we we kind of kicked on from that, and there there were kind of other chances in in that kind of ten minute spell. There were obviously Firmino forced a brilliant save from Schmeichel after a good ball in from Salah which is a, a rare contribution from Salah on the night unfortunately but I mean the, as I said earlier Henderson put in a, a very dangerous ball that, that uh, one of their centre-halves had to make a good interception to, to prevent someone tapping it in you know we look quite dangerous and I, I t- remember texting my brother and saying you know it looks like the rest has done us good we, we look very sharp and energetic and but then it it just it all faded away as we, we've already touched on, and I mean we we could have been a couple of goals to the good. Obviously, Mane had a a, a free header as well from a corner, probably the only decent mm. corner we took in the game. <laughs> yeah, and like we had to. It was it was kind of it reminded me of the game at the King Power where you know the first fifteen minutes Liverpool were dominant and should have easily been three 0 up, but just didn't quite take the chances to to kill the game off. And then Leicester kind of grew into it um, similarly to how they did. I think they were better at the King power Leicester than they were, but I suppose that makes sense with being at home. But, you know, we, we allowed Leicester to settle. I I don't know. I I don't know what the, the reason for that was. I, I don't know whether it was a, could have been a tactical thing. Let's, let's drop off, let them come on to us and, You know, we know Leicester's centre-backs, neither of them are known for their blistering pace. So, isolate one of those and you can get in. And and we did see attempts to do that. We obviously, Mane had a a decision, an offside decision later in the, the match that was incorrect. And obviously as well, Mane was clumsily taken down by Maguire on a break so you know it, we did see signs that that could have paid dividends but un- unfortunately it didn't and I in hindsight it was probably the wrong decision to to not keep that pace up and, and keep Leicester under pressure it's just unfortunate we obviously as, as I'm sure we'll get to we we paid for that
0: yeah yeah absolutely I mean you mentioned the break there and obviously you mentioned we kind of we just kind of deteriorated the performance-wise after the goal, uh, especially. But, um, I mean, do, do you think the break had anything to do with it? I mean, we had, I can't remember how many days it was. Was it 12 or 11? But then we also had a few people ill in the squad. I mean, Van Dijk, Fabinho, Um I mean, do you think the break did us good? I,
1: I, it, it's hard to say. I mean, mm, I've I seen some yeah. suggestions on Twitter that we looked rusty but I, how did we look rusty like we started the 10 minutes as we've already said we started really well so the the, the rust was it like late onset rust <laughs> you know it just doesn't doesn't make any sense I, I i can't see it being rustiness and and like i've seen i think the echo said we looked we looked jaded and like again i didn't see that i, I think for me as i said maybe it was a slightly tactics to try and draw Leicester out but i i think as well it was it was nerves again as as we discussed on the the front end of the show it's you know i i think there's been a nervousness within the team since the city game you know while, while we looked invincible in december i think the the city game kind of the, the occasion got to us and then obviously the loss didn't help confidence and you know while we looked to bounce back well, in the following game, you know, we've definitely seen a nervousness against Palace, and again and again. Then during the week against Leicester, we we I think that's plain to see that we we look a little bit a uh, little bit nervous. As I think it's a combination of things. I think now we we really know we're in a title race. That's clearly playing on minds. The City loss, as I said, won't have helped things. And then I think as well, there's. The injuries, you know, missing Gomez, missing Trent, you know, even Fabinho was m- missing for the first half yesterday. You know, knowing that we're missing these key players, and I think for a long time we had this was roughly the same 11 every game, you know, maybe one change here or there in the midfield. But, you know, we, we knew, especially at the back, those five players knew they could rely on each other. But now that they're suddenly not there, I suppose it it is going to to make them that little bit more nervous um obviously the illness as you said that that was that was unlucky but it, that could have happened even if we did have a a game in th- the weekend for, in the cup you know that we we still could have had players who were ill and then we'd have had a selection horror for the for the cup game you know mm. so I, like i i don't i don't personally you know it's only my opinion but i, I don't really buy the the rustiness thing because I, I just don't understand how you how you explain that the 10 minute start if, if if we were rusty you know
0: yeah i mean it makes it perfect sense really uh, it really does um but i mean after the first little purple patch i mean it was all downhill from there i mean we see james madison i have no idea what he was trying to do with his header um and, uh, I mean, he, I think he just 50p heads it. I'm not sure if he's trying to pass to Vardy or he's trying to score or whatever. Um, but the other big talking point before Leicester, obviously, score. I mean, is, is the referee's impact on the game? And and many games, I mean, that, that every time a referee makes a, a a big mistake, it always sparks the debate of, of the standard of referee in the Premier League. And I'm, I'm sure many people would agree that it's, it's fairly terrible. But, um I kind this red card for me, Carl, I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how I've seen anyone else. but a, a couple people on, on Twitter agree with me. I don't think it's a red card.
1: I'd actually agree with you on on having seen it a few more times since. Yeah, at the you know at the time I thought it was a red card. I thought it was intentional from Maguire, but I think it was just him being a big, awkward, guy that he is, that it was just a. It's just a, a a collision, and I think that the ref probably got it right and giving a free and a yellow card. Um, I, I think it wasn't quite as as you know that there, there were, I don't think there was much intent from Maguire, if any. So uh, I think that the ref called it correctly in in the end. To be honest, it one it'll one one decision I'll give him that he did call <laughs> correctly, because I'm sure we'll we'll get onto later the ones he he, he got wrong. But I don't think it's just a the refereeing, I think it's the officiating in, in general. I think that the linesman
0: yeah was, was quite cool.
1: poor. Both linesmen were mm. because I, I think there was Mane was the victim of two poor offside decisions, one in each half. So, you know, it's I, I think it's the the officials in general that I, I think they need to go back to school. To be honest, because I sometimes I wonder if they they know what their jobs are.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I made the point on Red's review. I mean, if it's not Michael Oliver, you're just kind of praying it's not like John Moss or Anthony Taylor. (laughs) And I know we had Martin Atkinson on on this game, but I mean, he's not exactly up there with the top one. But for me, Michael Oliver's the only one I can think, yeah, okay, he's all right. The rest of them, you're just like, oh, God, I'd rather it be Mike Dean because it'd be at least funny. (laughs) But... um, yeah, I mean it's it's such a weird it's such a weird um, debate that springs. But I mean, the one with the one the red card that we just mentioned. I think I think the fact the ball's going away from goal just about confirms. I mean, I, if he give a red card, I could see it. But you can also see you like, it's a yellow card. But we'll we'll get onto the more stonewall bad decision. Um, later on when we cover the second half. But I mean, he wasn't just a bad referee for for us. Um I know I think it was towards the start of the first half. James Madison should have had a free kick on the edge, which everyone thought was a penalty at first. Um and yeah, I mean that was fairly obvious that one. I think it was when Allison did a crap pass to uh to Henderson if memory says. But yeah, the the standard of referee in, in the league is just it's just non existent anymore. But I mean, we have to cover it, Carl. Um, their goal is just a bit of a mess all over the show, isn't it? I mean, our two most reliable defenders screw up in two separate ways for me. Robertson, very hot-headed um, tackle, which you don't you just don't expect from it. And Van Dyke, I know he's been ill. I think he's been one of the ones who was ill um, and stuff like that. But he he just he just completely lost Maguire.
1: Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about the goal. I think like throughout the the first half, you know, Leicester got a lot of their joy in in wide areas, you know, because I I don't think either. F- Fullback was at their best, and Robertson. It looked like we were going to see out the one nil and and get a chance to regroup and hopefully come out stronger in the second half. But Robertson put in a, a needless foul when we we had we had great cover. There was there was two people around him. I, I don't think he was going anywhere. And unfortunately, for whatever Rob, reason, Robertson just decides to stick his foot in, and you know there there's a the free kick. And then I, I just think we looked generally defending set plays this season. We've looked so solid. We, you know, we, we hold a good line. We, you know, we pick up people. We, you know, we do everything you you need to do, but you could tell as even when it's setting up, we just, we looked, we looked worried, you know, we, we looked nervous and, you know, it was telling, you know, we managed to clear the first ball and, you know, this is where my, my, personal opinion, and I've seen a few other people say it as well, I think that the ref should have blown up, you know, my understanding of the rule, you know, when we cleared that ball it was well over the added time, he he should have blown the whistle, but he allowed Leicester to put the ball back into the box, and you know, I I think our our defenders all got caught between two minds, Some, some of them wanted to try and mark up, some of them wanted to try and play offside, and ultimately, you know, somehow, Harry Maguire, the big, awkward get that he is, somehow managed to ghost in and, you know, equalize right on the strike stroke of half time, which is you know, that as they say it's the worst time in football to concede a goal and seemed to be the case for us. And you know, I I I dunno, it's it's I'd probably blame Van Dyke, like like you seem to be. Um, but I, I have seen other people say no, Van Dyke was playing offside, and it was mm. it was uh, Genie's fault. I think it was it was a Genie. I think it was Genie that apparently played the offside. I Genie and Robbo. I think. I think,
0: Robo, I think.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So I suppose you can you can blame everyone really. That that's what I'd be doing anyway because I, I thought we were poorly set up for it to begin with, and obviously Robertson. Gave away a pointless free, you know. We we said a lot of fans loved getting rid of Lucas because they said he used to get, get give a lot of pointless frees away, and that's something we seem to have cut out since the likes of him and Skirtle and etc. had left. But there, uh, Robertson did it yesterday, and and we were made to pay for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a goal that shocked the system. <laughs> as, as you mentioned, it's what you expect from your Skirtles and Lucas's. I mean. Andy Robertson's bad games are six out of ten, <laughs> and if that. And Van Dyke, I mean, he's had a couple iffy moments, but that's probably one of his worst games in the Liverpool shirt. Uh, probably the same. Say the same for Robertson. Uh, probably, it is his worst performance in the Liverpool shirt. It's oh, just, certainly. Mm, it's just a. Uh, it was just a weird. It was just a weird game. I mean, I mean just to focus on Robertson. Um, <sighs> It's. I, I. This is gonna sound so bitter, considering I'm Albie's biggest fan and stuff like that. But I mean, obviously, we we I, I think Robertson's the best left back in the league. I don't think it's that that close and stuff like that. But do you think Liverpool fans do overrate him a bit? Because when when they say he's the best left back in the world, I mean, I don't have any. I don't really watch any European football, but I mean. He's obviously brilliant, but how brilliant actually is he is probably the way I'm trying to word this question without going round in a circle here. No, I mean, I, I,
1: I rate him quite highly. I, th- I think, like, both his attacking game and his defensive game is so strong, and there's there's very few fullbacks in the, the modern game you can say that about. You know, there, there's some that are outstanding attackers, but, but aren't as... You know, and you'll see them at the likes of Barcelona, but they're they're not as solid as the back, and then you mm-hmm. have some that are... Quite strong in a defensive sense, but don't really offer that much going forward. And, and Robertson has it at both ends. And you know, I I I wouldn't listen to anyone try and argue that he's not the best left back in in the league because I think the and look look at who the the people people suggest Danny Rose <laughs> or, <laughs> did you see or that Spurs,
0: did you see the Spurs fans shouting about Danny Rose being better than him? <laughs> oh, it was nonsense! I, I think
1: I think. Danny Rose is a half decent attacking fullback, but you know I've never really been his biggest fan defensively, and mm. you know so I I wouldn't listen to that argument. And you know Dinier is a good set piece taker and he has a goal in him, but I don't think he's all that all that great at at the back. So I mean for that reason I I think it's no competition, Robertson. As you said, similar to you, I don't, I don't watch enough European football to to say that there's not a left back in Italy or Spain that or France or wherever that's that's a better player than Robertson but uh, I think for me certainly the best best left back at the moment in in England you know that these things can change I mean people rise and fall but and it, it, he's got age on his side as well I think he's still got a, a year or two of development left in him I think he's only going to get better but just unfortunately he had a, a poor day at the races yesterday well, sorry, two days ago now. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd just ask it because I mean, I have seen a, a few people on on social media possibly waiting for for a poor game to, to to kind of. I'm not. I'm not trying to say a thing, but I mean, some people don't like British players. I think it's fair to say, and it's just weird having one who's one of the best, if not the best, in his position. I mean, he's certainly the best in the league. I mean. I think Benjamin Mendes is the only one you could compare, and he, he's only played about two games in two seasons. Um, so, yeah, I thought I'd just ask you. I mean, I I think he's fantastic, and and he should not be any worry at all. Uh, but I thought I'd ask about it, just just to see. Um, oh, God. What else is there to talk about? I mean, we've got to work into the, the second half now. Um, I think Alisson makes a good save. I think it's actually off Bobby Firmino, if I remember correctly. Um, Maguire gets another shot but I mean from a Liverpool perspective I mean nothing really happens of note apart from the penalty shout and obviously we mentioned the standard of refereeing I mean there's at least two fouls in there if not more I mean what I, I don't see how this wasn't given
1: no, it's it's crazy. I mean, the 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 channel I was watching it on, the the commentator seemed. I mean, I got the impression he was willing Liverpool to slip off in the the beginning. He he kept comparing us to to the Man City result against Newcastle. But I mean, he he the first at first glance, he's like, oh, was there contact? To show it again, was That's there well. enough contact? Third time, could the ref see the contact? I mean. It, it's a penalty. Like, let, let's just get it straight. It's a penalty. I mean, like, no one could accuse keita of of diving or play acting or anything. Like, he has to go down. That his foot is stomped on and he's pushed as well for good measure. Like, it's either one is enough for a penalty for me. And you could see the the look on on. Pereira's face he knew what he'd done like it's just it baffles me that the the ref or the the linesman neither of them managed to see that like I I just don't understand it at all and the only thing that comes to to my mind is just that the referees and and often they will be are are very apprehensive to to be the you know to get the headline and uh, you know in in a title race for it to be said oh Peno helps Liverpool get the three points on off day or whatever. That's a terrible byline, but that's just uh, <laughs> a terrible title. But nonetheless, like it would have been something like that because we weren't great, and had we scraped it on a penalty. And I, I think these kind of things play in referees' minds. They they are they are only human, and they they go to consider what people. Say about them as as protected as referees are, they can't be protected from the media or from from fans. You know, they can only be protected from players or managers commenting on them. So uh, these things have to to play in their minds, and I, I think I've seen suggestions during the week that people are saying they should just fly foreign refs in to do the games, and then you know they're not hmm. going to consider the media because. You know they're they're not around it all the time. They're not watching Sky Sports twenty four seven. They're not reading the papers here. You know, so but I'm not sure that's that's the decision either. I I don't know what the solution is. I mean I've joked for a while that that we should have robots as referees. Clearly the technology is not there, <laughs> but I, I think until it is, you know, we're gonna have human mistakes in referees. They're they're gonna bring emotion and they're going to consider things rather than just trying to stick 100% by the rule book and, and call what they should call. It's it's unfortunate, but it, it's something we just have to put up with for now. And unfortunately Liverpool have been on the, the negative side of that this season so far. I think we have certainly had a few results go away. I think Spurs were denied a clear penalty mm. at, at Wembley and Salah scored an offside goal. And, uh, a couple, of the, and Klein should have given a penalty against Arsenal but not that that would have really mattered at 5-1 up, but nonetheless <laughs> we certainly had decisions go away and I'm not going to deny that and say, oh, woe us, the refs are just simply out to get us, but I, I think we've definitely had more go against us so far hopefully it balances out as the, the season goes on, but it shouldn't have to balance out, you know, they, they should be getting at least 99% of decisions correct, but they simply don't, and it's just unfortunately how it is.
0: Yeah, especially decisions like that, because I mean, it is crystal clear. I mean, a, a tight offside call you you can forgive. A, a, a less obvious foul you can forgive. Um, as we mentioned, that red card. I mean, you can see you can see the arguments for yellow and red. Um, but I mean, a penalty like that, as as we've said, there's two. There's at least two fouls in it. It's just. Uh, it's just re- it's just really weird, and that 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 thing about changing foreign refs. Imagine trading Mike Dean like to Spain or something. It'd be amazing. <laughs> 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 oh dear. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely apparently as as we talked we talked about Cater a bit earlier. I mean, it, showing showing signs of promise. I mean, just looking ahead to uh, West Ham and then even further on. I mean. Is is he showing showing signs that he can actually be trusted? I think Klopp again mentioned today that he's been one of the best ones in training. Um, I I think it's fair to say we need Fabinho back in midfield like every game. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about his performance and his future performances in 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 like a minute or so. But I mean, is is Naby Keir starting to show signs that he can actually be part of the rotation properly rather than just being placed in there when there's a couple injury issues?
1: I, th- I think it, it was definitely a positive sign, as I said earlier. Like, it wasn't a great performance. It hmm. probably wasn't even a very good performance. But I, I think it was good in, in spells. And, and that's more than you can say about most of the team on Wednesday night. So, for that, I, I would like to see him. You know, I don't think it's going to benefit him to take him out of the team again. He needs a run. He needs he needs some time in the team if he's ever going to settle. So for that reason I'd I'd like to see Fabinho come in for Shaqiri mm-hmm. and obviously Milner in for Henderson they are the changes I'd like to see for Monday night uh, I think that would um give give us a much better shape and and a bit more solidity than than we've seen the other night um I, I don't want us to... I'm not saying go to the 5-2-3-1 to the and put Keita on the left <laughs> again. That's that's not what I want to see. But uh, if we see a 4-3-3 three, three, or if, if we have to see a 4-2-3-1, then maybe push Genie up rather than Keita. But um, I, I would like to see Keita continue um, in the team, get a little bit of a run because I, I think that's what any player needs if, if they're going to settle. And when you see there's some positive signs, then kind of roll with that and see how it goes. I, I don't think, I didn't think, I thought Shakiri was useless the other night. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying, oh, yeah. no, he's get rid of him or anything. Like, don't let him play. That's not at all what I mean. But I, I didn't think he did anything the other night to warrant him mm. playing against West Ham. And I I, I think in general in the, the last couple of games when he's he's featured, he, he hasn't really been as good as he was earlier in the season. So I don't see the harm in letting, letting Keita continue there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I forgot I forgot to uh, think. I've, I forgot about Shakiri being terrible. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way you can talk about it. It's terrible. I mean, is it a worry for you with Shakiri Because obviously, he's brought in cheap in the summer. Not really much expectation. Starts the season off so well. Obviously, the Man United game where he came out as a sub and uh, wins the game and stuff like that. But since then... I can't really think of a meaningful contribution off the top of my head. Might be one or two, but I'm sure it's been a a good few games since he's had a goal or assist. I mean, it's just... Um, must be a worry, because he, he, he's supposed to be this attacking midfielder. May, may have been thought of as a squad player originally, obviously we were linked with Fakir and stuff, but he still has to put in a certain level of creativity that the other midfielders don't bring, because he doesn't bring the defensive stability of, say... A Henderson, a Milner. I mean, he's got to, he's got to add something to keep to even compete for a starting place, doesn't
1: he? Yeah, I think he's definitely had a bit of a a dip lately. I think the last time we seen him score was Newcastle. Could be wrong on that, but I'm I'm pretty sure. So obviously that was over a month ago. Mm. So certainly he's been a little quiet. And as you said, he's not quite giving it enough in the defensive sense yet. But Klopp commented on that and said he's 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 gotta learn that in his game and I'm I'm sure he will as as time goes on. Um, you know, as I said, I wouldn't be too worried, but you know, I, I think definitely you got to go on, on form and he hasn't been on form lately. So for for that reason, I'd drop him back to the bench for, for West Ham. And as I said, I'd, I'd keep some faith in Keita and hopefully he can kick on from the signs he did show the other night. Um, and hopefully Shaqiri in, in turn can can do what he's done at times this season and be a good impact sub if we need mm. it. Because we're, we're really lacking in impact subs at the moment, as I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, so uh, like, I'm not, I'm not too concerned, but definitely, it is. It, I have to be honest that that Shakiri has hasn't been great in the the past few weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the impact subs there, so we might as well go on to it. I mean, we took um Shakiri and Kater off, didn't we? For um Lallana and Fabinho, and um, I mean. Fabinho obviously made a lot of sense because we didn't have control of the game, and I thought he added that. But the fact that it's now twenty nineteen, and I'm going to throw Sturridge in this as well. Unfortunately, I mean I love Sturridge, and I think you could probably make an excuse for Sturridge that he's not played at all, um, and he's out of rhythm and stuff like. That. I mean, you could say the same for the lineup, but he was he was never anywhere near the player Sturridge was. But um, I mean. <clears throat> Let's focus on them, too. I mean, Sturridge and Sturridge and Lallana, we brought them on to change the game. I mean, the the transfer window's just finished. Obviously, we've lost Markovic, sadly. <laughs> um, and um, <clears throat> is, that a, is that a sign of worry? Because, I mean, the bench wasn't that strong. I think the only other attacking option was Camacho, who, I mean, unless we're winning comfortably, even then I don't think he's going to get many minutes at all. But a player like Lana especially is not really going to change the game. I mean, we saw Sturridge do it when he was probably a bit fitter and a bit more in rhythm because he was part of the rotation. But now that he's not played in, I think his last start by the Cup was Burnley, which was ages ago. I mean, there's it not really any impact on our bench unless Sturridge does a magic moment. But he, he's just so out of rhythm, he doesn't look like he's going to be anywhere near that.
1: It's certainly a, a concern because, I mean, as you said, that the, the three subs yesterday, you know, uh, Fabino definitely, once he settled in, added a bit more stability, but stability isn't going to quite win you a game, like when you're, mm. you're looking for a goal. And, like, Lalana, I, I often make the argument that I, I think Lalana, and I still maintain that, I think he's a good sub when you're ahead because yeah. he, he's very good at wasting time. Like, you know, Maybe our time as well as theirs, but (laughs) nonetheless. And I think he draws fouls. You know, he can, a couple little turns, as if he wins a lot of free kicks when he's on the pitch. But I don't think, he hasn't really had an end product since that that good six-month spell when Klopp first came about. And he hasn't, like, I can't remember the last time he scored. So I just, I don't see him as, as much of a threat anymore. And then like Sturridge as you said he's he's very much like it's this story with Sturridge this season has been a very strange one I, I thought he had a brilliant preseason. part of me kind of expected him to start maybe our first couple of games because we knew Firmino wasn't fit and I think Firmino did take a few weeks to get into the swing of things mm. and it, it was strange that Sturridge didn't start but despite not starting he, he got in he got on off the bench and you know, he got some goals and he was looking dangerous and Klopp was giving him kind of 20 minutes here or there. But then suddenly when we got in a bit of a flow, it was like Klopp decided Sturridge wasn't needed anymore and he froze him out somewhat. And if he did give him, it was like giving him five minutes here or there, Mm. which has to be very frustrating for a player like Sturridge and who knows the ability he has within himself to be only getting five minutes here or there. It's, you know, it's as if he's a youth player. It's, it's going to be somewhat damaging to the ego. And I know we should say he shouldn't have an ego, but most professional footballers are going to have an ego and it's got to hurt Sturge And suddenly now, because we're a little more desperate, we are giving him uh, 10 minutes here or there, but expecting him to suddenly be doing what he was doing earlier in the season. I, I don't think it's realistic and outside Sturge, who else do we have? Like already scored a couple of goals this season, but you know, he's, He's definitely one who you're just waiting till the end of the summer, the end of the Mm. season, and then you're going to expect him to move on. So I feel kind of until Ox comes back, you know, maybe towards the end of this month or early next month and gets a few weeks into his legs, then maybe Ox can be an impact sub for us for maybe, maybe, let's be realistic, maybe April, May. Last five, six games, he can be an impact sub because I doubt he'll start too much because it's going to take him a while to get back into it. But, you know, we're waiting all that time until you know, a lot of games between now and then w- without having that. And you got to look at Man City and their bench and what match winners that they have to bring off the bench. You know, they, they have plenty. And that's got to be a concern. That's You know, we, we, you need to be able to change it when it's not going your way. And at the moment, we... We just don't have that option, which it is a bit of a concern, and we've seen it on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I fully agree with your storage point there. I mean, it's just weird. I mean, the PSG game, he obviously started so long ago, played very well, didn't get rewarded with a start, if I remember correctly, afterwards, and obviously saved us against Chelsea. But it's just like he's never... Never really been trusted by a club. Obviously, in the first season, when we got to the Europa League, he played a big part and and stuff like that. But it's just it's just weird. I mean, Weather is he's, he's nowhere near the same player he was. But there's still quality there, and the fact that he's that he's pretty much reduced to five minute spells and stuff like that. I mean, it's ne- you're never gonna get anywhere sort of the impact that a player like Sturridge could. I mean, it, I mean, time would only tell. I mean, when he goes to another club, see what he's like when he's actually a starter and stuff like that but even even a 50% storage still has moments of quality you know it's just just sad to see now but um we'll talk about fabinho i mean we talked about <coughs> um him steadying the ship and, and whatnot, and adding a bit more control and as you said that doesn't win you games but i mean Ginny gets a lot of fanfare. I mean I'm not his biggest fan cuz sometimes I think it goes over the top but I think it's undoubtedly true that Ginny's been our most consistent um, midfielder this season but when Fabinho doesn't play now I think the 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 change is noticeable you can tell when he's not there cuz Ginny doesn't play as well Henderson doesn't play as well if he's obviously in midfield it, it I mean he must be he must fast track becoming one of the first names on the team sheet for i mean maybe not for Klopp but certainly for the fans
1: certainly i i think had we had fabinho in midfield from the start yesterday i i'd i'd expect we wouldn't have been as nervous as as we were because, like he, he, as I mentioned earlier, he he is quite good at covering the fullbacks. I think that would have made them two feel a lot more comfortable, and you know, as a knock-on effect, made Allison and the centre half feel a bit more comfortable. And as you said, it makes Genie kind of feel more comfortable. I, I thought Genie, as I said earlier, man, I was comfortably man of the match, but I, I think mm-hmm. next to him, I think Genie was yeah okay. He wasn't bad, you know. I think he was the one player I never. Well, everyone else kind of came in and out of the game, had maybe a good five minutes here, a good 10 minutes there, but then a poor five minutes. I I thought Genie was solid enough. Like, he he did a job. He wasn't quite up to the standards he set for himself at times this season, but I I thought he was okay. But nonetheless, I I think Fabinho, as you said, he he does have a calming effect there. He's a commanding midfielder, and I think we look a lot better recently when when he is on the pitch i mean we've seen the difference he made in the city game it was probably there for us to win if not for a yeah. a, a a moment of madness really with the entire team kind of chasing a ball but um nonetheless i mean we know we know what, what fabinho brings to to the team and i think we'll, we'll all feel a lot more confident on on monday evening when we see his name on on the team sheet anchoring that midfield
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, we've been wanting a, a DM since the day Mascarano left, and we finally got one. I think I want to see as much as possible for him. So, I mean, besides Van Dyke and Salah, he, he, he's definitely up there as one of the first names on the team sheet for me, and Alisson, obviously, but that's a gimme. <laughs> um, I mean, speaking of Alisson, he had a bit of a weird game, didn't he? Uh, he a couple of dodgy passes, but he made a, made a great save that I mentioned um, against, well, against Bobby. <laughs> Yeah, that was a a good save. But,
1: I mean, outside that, it it just wasn't his his best game. Obviously, you mentioned that Madison header earlier. And it it was Allison who gave the ball away in the run-up to Dash. And as you said, that foul on Madison as well that that we got away with on the edge of the box. Again, that was a loose pass from Allison. I I think maybe Leicester or his bogey team because we all remember the the mistake he made at the kink power as well. But, I mean keepers are going to make mistakes. Even the best keepers make mistakes. We've watched De Gea make plenty of mistakes. We've watched Neuer make plenty of mistakes. You know, I, I don't get too concerned as long as it's not every game like some other keepers we've had in recent times. Um, I, I just think it was a weird game in which kind of everyone just seemed to have their off day. You know, Robertson, Van Dyke, Allison, three players we'd, we'd see as really consistent players just had off days it's strange and in, in that sense you know the, the other players in the team you might expect it from you know with the you know Matip and Henderson particularly playing out of position but those three are generally 90% of the time quite solid they just all three of them had an off day at once which is seems like it's unfortunate for us I suppose
0: yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, we've gone this whole podcast without really talking about Leicester. I mean, we're near the finish of the game because it wasn't that great a game, to be honest. But I mean, I'm not sure how you've how much you've seen of Leicester. Obviously, they've been a very weird team. I they think we've done well against the big teams, but struggled against the little teams. Um, but I mean, did, did anything impress you in this game, or anything of interest? Might as well talk about the opposition a smidge.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought their shape was brilliant. I mean, w- once they got past the, the 10 minutes where we, we kind of pulled them apart, uh, I thought their shape was fantastic. I, they are a well-organized side. We know that's one thing Claude Puel brings to the table with his teams. He, he has them organized, and I think we've seen that. Uh, you know, as I said, they I think they exploited us well in wide areas, and as much as that was somewhat down to our fullbacks having poor games, I think... You know, Gray, particularly, you know, he's, you know, we know that lad has a lot of talent. I mean, it's no wonder in the past he's been linked to both ourselves and Spurs because there is a lot of talent and potential there. I think as well, it spells in the game, particularly, as you said, prior to Fabinho came on, we've seen, you know, how physical that that's. Leicester midfield can be, just as we did at the King Power, that Mendy and Ndidi, you know, they, they can impose themselves and there's a lot of peace and power in that midfield. And we've we seen signs of that. Um, I, I thought, uh, thought Michael pulled off a couple of good saves at one of his better games. You know, they're definitely as, as poor as we were, you know, I, I think Leicester did a job you know, they, they weren't great. It's like 27% possession and a 65% pass success rate. So let's not make, let's not make too much of them because I don't think it was a good performance by them per se, but I I do credit their, their organization. And as there there were a couple of moments from some of their players uh, that, that, that were notable to me, as I said, Gray in particular had some, some, some good moments.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think that's fair on Leicester. I think their midfield, as you mentioned, was very physical and very good. Um, Mendy, not really the eye-catching one of the pair. I thought he was quite good uh, playing around the press and stuff like that. I think uh, the UP guys mentioned him the last time we played him, actually. Um, So, yeah, we just a, a little look at West Ham. I mean, not really... Too many question marks over the majority of the team, and we know Allison in the front three is going to play Van Dijk, Robertson, etc. I mean, we've kind of talked about the right back situation. It's ninety five percent going to be Milner. Um, has Matt, did Matip do enough for you to have a little run in the team till Gomez is back? Yeah, for now,
1: I'd I'd stick with him. I don't think he's been excellent. I think he was probably better prior to his injury, but you know he. I thought he was probably he was actually probably slightly better than Van Dyke in midweek. Yeah, fair. Not that that's saying a lot, but (laughs) I'm not. You know, I wouldn't want to change it again. You know, I I want some continuity there. You know, obviously him and Van Dyke have played a fair few games together this season so far, so I don't see a point in in bringing back Lovren and obviously it's not so long ago that Lovren had an awful game against Man City, so. Let's let's not let's not do that. Let's just wait till Gomez is back and fit and sharp to to make that change unless we're forced to if if Matip gets injured, which you can't rule out with that guy. So but for now I'd leave him in there. As I said, the only change I'd make to the back four would be probably Milner in for Henderson and mm. it's not ideal, but nonetheless. Um unless Trent makes a miracle, you know, return to training on Monday morning. But um, that aside obviously it should should be Milner and as I said I'm I'm hoping to see Fabinho come back into the midfield probably in the place of Shakiri, and other than that as you said that the team sort of picks itself
0: yeah yeah I mean actually on West Ham then I mean I think I mentioned Philippe Anderson towards the start of the podcast but anything else you've seen throughout the season for us to be worried about
1: Obviously, Arnautovic is a danger on his day, but I, I think he's out, so that's that's a positive. Mm. Um, I, I think I'm not. I, I think if we play well, we'll beat West Ham. You know, West Ham, as you said, Felipe Anderson has has been brilliant this season. I think you know some of their other attackers have certainly had their moments, but I think in a defensive sense, they're not a very good side, I and mean, they give up a lot of chances and they ride their luck a lot. I mean, a lot of games, you know, I've sort of seen the highlights of and you know, I've seen the the stats afterwards and you just look at the amount of shots and even shots on target that West Ham ship and somehow manage to scrape results like that. You know, I, I think the best players are going to punish them for that. And I think we have, you know, brilliant attackers in, in Salah and Firmino and Mane, you know, hopefully he kicks on from his midweek performance because it's, one of it was one of his best performances in some time. So you know, I think we can certainly punish them. And then as far as obviously Felipe Anderson is one to watch at the other end, but I think we'll benefit from our outovage being out. I don't think the other strikers are nearly as dangerous as, as he is. How dare you? So.
0: That's our Andy Carroll.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm confident of a result against West Ham. I I think like I, I I think Leicester better side on paper than West Ham and uh, th- I think they're better organized defensively so I, I don't think West Ham will be as tough as Leicester but th- that's not I don't want the team to go in with that attitude because I, I think they need to give a lot more than they did against Leicester definitely to get that result but I'm I'm hopeful and and confident enough that they they will do enough to get a result you know it's better that even if it's only a 1-0 or
0: 2-1 yeah yeah absolutely i mean i'm not going to mention anyone because the last time i picked on a opposition players are hard destroyed james milner so i won't mention anyone <laughs> um, but yeah i mean that that's been the leicester game and, and and a little look at the west ham game but i mean carl anything for us to plug i mean what uh, what up i mean last week and i'm um, We'll probably do what in the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, so we, obviously, we, we finally got around to doing a, our latest one up there last week to a bit of a catch-up on kind of some of the bigger gaming news in 2019 so far and just a bit of talk about what we've been playing, kind of early impressions of both of us picking up the Switch and that kind of thing. So definitely give that a a, a watch, a, a watch, <laughs> a listen. And of course, um, we will Get back to uh get getting shows up more regularly. So keep a watch out on on the uh the social media account because because guy guy doesn't retweet them constantly for for nothing, you know. So just just keep keep a watch out for them, and uh, we'll we'll have some stuff to come in the, the coming weeks. I'm sure we're we're slowly getting towards the the hot season for gaming news.
0: Absolutely. As soon as the summer comes around, we'll be uh, back with our eight hour episodes. And no, that's not true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 hopefully we'll do one next week and have a show for you there. But thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining me, Carl. Goodbye. Let's get ready.